It's 6.27pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I am Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. So, ah, old Dean, how goes it? It, it? You know, it could be worse, which I, I guess is probably not something I'd like to say of a definition of what happened on Wednesday. But we'll get oh, to that. Oh, he's come out swinging, hasn't he? Oh, <laughs> well, that's oh. quite gentle. What are you on about? Yeah, no, it's, it's a <laughs> fun fact for you. Hang on, we can't be dealing with facts. What the hell's wrong with you? Are you on well, the wrong podcast? Next, next Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Mothering Sunday. Everyone, remember. Mothering yeah. Sunday. That will have been more than a year since we last broadcast live from our glamorous studios in Cosham. Well, thank you for describing my front room as glamorous. Um, but yeah, that's to be fair, this kind of feels like the norm, but I guess Zoom does feel like the norm to lots of people, but to lots of younger people, it won't be doing on tomorrow, or it will be, because yeah. they'll be like, yeah. oh my God, I'm actually in a room with people. Yeah, it was Mar- March the 12th was the start of the old lockdown, so next Friday, and uh, yeah, so it's more than a year since we've been distant on the airwaves, but who knows? We'll have to go and have a quick look at the rules and regulations to see when I'm going to be able to saddle my dog up again and come strolling round. I think it's in May. I want to say in May you can meet people inside from another household. So I, I, if I think only, that's what we're shooting for. If only someone had done some research on the roadmap last week. Well, we did, but seven days is a long day long time in politics Simon things move on and wheels within wheels and and uh, yeah we find ourselves facing down a a, a cornucopia of discussionary points from Wednesday's dishy rishi's budget indeed uh, and yeah it does look like it's the 17th of May by the way um, if obviously everything goes to plan You've done research on the fly there. Yeah, I know. It's it's like, if you put all of these things in OneNote, I am a bit of a OneNote fan, so sorry. It's the one thing that I love Microsoft for that there isn't any replacement for elsewhere. It's really sad, but I do like I, a bit of OneNote. Do, I don't even know what it is. Oh, good God. Um, okay, right. Before, I, I don't know how to deal with that. Um, let's let's move on. Sorry, you were, you were saying about you were dispensing your admiration for Rishi. I didn't go quite that far. Um, uh, there was a budget. And, um, and the lovable Rishi Sunak, who seems to be very popular with among, with lots of people, um, not necessarily amongst fiscal conservatives, but um, yeah, everyone seems to, to like him. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, he's... he's, he's wheeled out he was allegedly refreshingly honest and laid out his his economic disaster plans for the next <laughs> three four years was was that a slip of the tongue there was it oh well we'll get we'll get into the meat of the bones won't we yes won't we, we as we as we dig into the you know what was it he actually said and what didn't he say and we can do some philosophical kicking about of when is a tax rise not a tax rise and uh, would you be happy with a 1% pay rise this year? Yeah. So, we, yeah, we can get into Schrodinger's tax rises. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all about dead dogs in boxes, isn't it? Well, I mean... Or was it cats? It, it, it was cats, it, isn't it? It, it? it was a cat, but... It was a cat. The, no, no cats or dogs have been harmed in the production no. of this podcast. Was this, uh, what's that... Uh, no, I'm not going to go anywhere with Schrodinger's cat. So, it's time for Simon's hideously one-eyed and biased on this day's. Outright, how could you suggest such a thing? Ah, oh, so go on, hit me with the, the conservative peer Lord Wagstaff kicks kitten in 1823. Go on. <laughs> wow. Let's do um, it. Okay, yeah, yeah, because um, those are the sorts of things I normally bring up. Funnily enough, we're going to go all the way back to 15.30 for our first on this day. Half past three. Oh, God. Sorry, the, the jokes are recycled, even if everything else isn't. Um, 15.30, and 
Henry VIII's divorce request is denied by the Pope. And of course, he's, you know, yeah. that worked out. That worked out well for everybody. Uh, everybody concerned. Um, 1876, Alexander Graham Bell receives a patent for the telephone in the US. Yeah, it all started, didn't it? We wouldn't be sat here now with squigglies jumping up and down all the fibre optics and chasing around the world if it hadn't been for AGB. It, it did. Yeah. And then, funnily enough, in 1926, the first transatlantic telephone call between London and New York took place. Hello, this is London, girl. Where, where are all those people now? What, from 1926? I should well, imagine they'll, they'll that... be dead. And I get that. Well, well, hopefully not all of them. But anyway, no, my point is that the... The BBC. Hello, this is Mr. Charmley Warner speaking, coming to you live from Londinium. Yeah, well, um, thankfully the BBC kind of stopped enforcing this kind of strange accent of nowhere on on its presenters. It now just makes them present things that don't belong anywhere. Um, so uh, yes, but um, yeah, I, I could imagine though that the how annoying would it have been if the first call was, "You have been in an accident." Press one. <laughs> yes. Have you been in a road traffic accident with your automobile yeah. that that was not your fault? Yeah, yeah, I get them. Have you been involved in? A, I understand you've had a crash. Uh, no, no, I would have done had I have sat behind the wheel of said vehicle, but I didn't. So I'm fine. Thank you for asking. No, no, I, I should imagine. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I have a similar response, obviously, though not with the same reason. When people say to me, "Oh, will you will you need to park your car?" I said, "Well, not really, because if I if I drive a car onto site, I'm breaking at least three three, three different laws to get here. Yeah. Um, so I'll have stolen someone's car, I'll have driven without a license, and I'm not sure what the third one is. Um, Bikini Atoll um, Islanders are evacuated by the U.S. government to make way for a nuclear testing site. That was way back in 1946." Yeah. Enforced relocation of people. Darkest parts of well, our history. Yeah, and I guess that must mean... So, obviously, 46 is after they dropped the first two. So, um... Yeah, yeah. One, of the, one of the things, actually, that I haven't previously called out on on this day is that literally every time I go to look at it, there mm. is... Um, there is a an entry that says the US or the USSR performed nuclear test on this date at... X location. So yeah. I kind of do wonder, like, crikey, how many of the bloody things did we need to test before we figured out? Okay, this is the size of the boom that that we get. I don't, I don't quite understand. It was me metaphorical wang waving, though, wasn't it? Back in that in the day, yeah. during the sort of the, the, the cold, cold war. the cold war was we're just basically going to release loads of nuclear weapons, either in the Nevada desert or in in the Pacific, just to show that we've got the better abilities. To irradiate your citizens than you do of ours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not, there we go. Not pretty, is it? No, it's um, it's not. And do you know what? I think I'll leave it there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit on radioactivity while we're ahead. Just getting the odd connection issue at the moment, Simon. I'm afraid Are you? you've gone a bit Dalek on me. Have I? That's the. I mean, the Daleks haven't taken over. Um, but I'll chuck one in for free. 1968, the BBC broadcast the news for the first time in colour on television. Is that a, 52, 53 years ago? Wow. Mm. So, yeah, I was know. saying that. I, my first telly was black and white. Yeah. Um, well, mine was like a little four and a half inch radio alarm clock that was black and white. I mean, it wasn't so good for watching football on, but to be fair, I never really watched any football. No, uh, other no than, or, the, or the snooker. No, that, that might or, not or, well. or indeed, I mean, other than the World Cup to watch Gary Lineker in his shorts, but that's a different matter entirely. So, um, anyhow, moving on. So, now that we've dispensed with on this day, shall we, um, shall we crack along with what happened this week? Mm. So, the eagerly awaited Chancellor's budget statement. Mm -hmm. And I have to say... First impressions for me weren't great. So you surprised I, me. Well, I guess if I'm more disappointed with it than you are. No, I, I, to be fair, I I wouldn't say that I'm 
not disappointed. It's just that I never expected it to be that brilliant in the first place. Right. Um, right. So in that respect, I, I guess disappointed, you know, a lack of disappointment isn't isn't kind of really the thing in the sense that if you expect the bar to be actually quite low and you end up tripping over it instead of hitting your head on it, then you're not necessarily so surprised. But what what was your... What angle are you coming at this then from, Ian? Because obviously... Rishi's a Rishi's a, a a popular man. He's um he's making lots of um lots of good impression on the on on the public as a uh, as a as a chancellor. Um, some some are even postulating that maybe he's a future leader for the Conservative Party. Um, that, and yeah, I have seen that written down on social media repeatedly, which which uh, must be true I, then. Well, yeah, <laughs> if it's written on social media, believed everything. That's, uh, um, yeah, as the lizard people would have us believe. But um, no, I think for me, I'd, I would say that if I looked at the budget as a whole, and I'm not an economist, but I have studied it a little bit. So I've got a little knowledge. I couldn't see, I can't see what he's trying, what his overall aim is. It, it feels like, you know, we'll go a little bit socialist over here. We'll go a little bit conservative over here. We'll... It just feels like, oh, I don't know. It feels like the the man sat on the mixing desk of a large concert, and it sounds bloody awful. And he's just sliding every slider and twisting every dial that he can to try and make it better. But I'm not sure he knows what he's doing. Okay, so what's your yeah okay so I, I guess as we we've kind of pick apart some elements and we'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll talk to those and it'll be interesting to hear what anybody following us uh for the live from the live broadcast has to has to say about um any of the bits i've asked the room if they can give us what their low or high points were from it but um should we kind of start picking our way through a, yeah, through pick, a, list? a pick a pick a headline a pick and a pick and mix of rishi's budget snacks that sounded better in my head than it did in real life. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, budget snack. So where where should where should we where should we start in? Shall we start on the extension of the furlough scheme? Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I think that there are lots of parts of the economy that aren't going to warm up. They aren't going to wake up from hibernation overnight. Um, and just because um, lots of the restrictions are going to be removed come June the 21st um, and obviously we're on that roadmap that we talked about last week and hopefully Touchwood yep. everything goes to plan etc etc um, there are a lot there are parts of the economy there are industries that can't kind of flick a switch and, and kind of come back to life so I think it's I, I think it's a sane and good idea that that's still there to enable the businesses that can't quite operate at full speed yet um, to not put themselves in a situation where they end up laying off loads of staff and then the issues that that causes the economy by thousands of people losing their jobs. As it is, I did have a number somewhere of how many people have actually um, have actually lost their jobs in the um, in the crisis. Six hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah. Six seventy two, I think. Well, the piece, I, I, and this is where I talk about muddled thinking. Now, for me, extending the furlough scheme out until the end of June makes absolute sense. But there's an element of July, August, September. If I look at the economy and I look at that, you know, the hoped for V-based bounce back, you know, people are expected, anticipated to come out of lockdown and spend, spend, spend if they can. So I can't see any reason why you would continue to keep work for anybody on furlough through July, August, September, unless you were a charitable boss and you knew that your business was already dead. So if you work for me, Simon, and I know that my business is not going to come back, it sat there in hibernation and I am not going to pick it back up again. Your job does not exist. 
It will never exist again. So why would I lay you off now when I can say to you, Simon, mate, I'll give you the nod. You know, it ain't going anywhere, mate. Enjoy the summer with your kids and then you better start looking for another job because I haven't got one for you. I can't see any reason to keep anybody on furlough through July and August. Either your business is going to pick back up or it's not. It feels to me like all we're doing is kicking the can. And again, it's this, we'll kick the can down the street till September. End of September, we go into the months of October, November, the run into Christmas. You know, October and November are not traditionally a an economic, they're not our busiest times of the year. So it it just feels like a a hollow publicity based gesture to give everybody a happy old summer with the government paying the bill before the wheels come off in September. Um, I I, I mean I I disagree for the reasons that I've that I've already stated. I don't think um I think presenting a binary situation um would force lots of businesses to make that choice. Um, I, I can understand your concern that there might be businesses or business owners that might make that choice in order to uh, in order to favour their their staff um, or to or to support them actually through trying to find alternative employment. But um, at the end of the day, the purpose of this is to stop millions of people being dumped overnight onto um, basically onto the unemployment line. Yep. Yeah. So, and because of the shock and impact that has on the economy, them doing that, and the sudden fear that that causes stops other people actually wanting to spend money. Um, I I can understand why, although it's an expensive thing to do. And don't forget, people, businesses that have have got staff members on furlough, just because it's extending till September, doesn't mean that they're going to keep them on on it until September. It just means they've got the, the the freedom to be able to bring those people back either on a full time or a part time basis so i think you can you can have kind of a part-time furlough arrangement so that you know so in that respect so that if you're not quite at the work level where you're requiring each fte to their full to their full hours you've you you've got that i i think that's a better price to pay than the than the shock than the cold shock that you'd have to the economy of um thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people suddenly being dumped um on the unemployment line so i mean i i it's got to come. To the, the gravy train has got to pull into the final station at some point, hasn't it? See, I, 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 or, or do we do we get to August and say, oh, we'll, we, you know, we'll keep, you know, what is it, a billion pounds a month? Oh, we'll go through till we'll go through till Christmas. Oh, you know, January and February are bad. We'll go through to the spring. I I think I I think it's the the right thing to do. Um, obviously, we're coming at this from different. Um, political and fiscal perspectives um i i i think that the risk of not doing it and the shock that that would cause the economy is greater than the cost of actually doing it um yes it's an expensive thing but it may not actually turn out to be as expensive as um, you or even rishi think because actually over that period of time lots of parts of the economy will start to thaw and and kind of come back to life from you know, from the hibernation that they've effectively been. I mean, he's also he's also putting a hundred million pound aside for a taxpayer protection task force. I wonder if they have t-shirts um, to crack down on COVID fraudsters. So. Yeah, and and I well, and it is, it, and I guess for some of it, it it it's it's fraud if you're taking the money and you've not got the people on furlough or you've got them, you know, again. Yeah, and, and I always think with the, the fraud stories, it's, you know, it's a business takes the furlough money and everybody's working full time, you know, th- those things. Yeah. And I'd, I'd happily throw the book at anybody that's done that. But I guess my question is, so it, is the end September or in your mind, do you see this? Do you see the furlough scheme continuing to run and run? No, I, I don't see it as something that's con- that would continue to run and run. I don't, but I don't think that whether it con- whether it stops in September or not is a decision that we can make in the middle of March. Bearing in mind, but we've got lots of things going in our favour at the moment, and yeah, yeah. What the big unknown quantity is: to what degree will the economy snap back? To what degree will people 
want to start spending again in the ways that they haven't been able to actually over the last year to what degree will businesses be able to operate and freely trade um there are lots of things that are challenging or lots of barriers that are, will get yep. in the way of of them kind of doing that but i i think you kind of got to suck it and see really i think you've got to you've got to let businesses try to operate bearing in mind that you'll start to remove the restrictions from them there may be the odd sector of the economy that at that point still needs some sort of support uh, and that would be a thing to look at then but a broad brush support for the economy i i can't see the need for it if things continue as they are with vaccination with us being on top of on top of spread uh, as long as we were actually on top of any variants of the, of the virus i think uh, you know i think that's kind of the, the petering down bit but i think it's a far enough out time scale to to give us room for things to change and to move in the right way so yeah my 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 worry is how many of those jobs that are on furlough are just you know they're already dead they're on life support the life support's costing us a bloody fortune and all we're doing is delaying the inevitable flicking of the switch but i guess we will find out in september when yeah well by he September, maybe there the will be to throw the switch. We'll, maybe, we'll but, see what the but maybe is. there will be corresponding growth in areas that aren't currently perceived as as massive opportunities. Maybe there will be growth in parts of the economy that will be able to take on some of those people, so they'll be able to kind of move over. Yeah, yeah. You no, know. I so, and that that is my sincere hope. As a fiscal conservative, I am I am hoping for people to be working as much as possible. I'm not going to go down the scrangers route at this point. Absolutely no, because you, you haven't yeah, bought a copy, copy of the Sunday be, Mail. We want people to be, you know, having worthwhile and meaningful jobs. That's true. Um, Rob adds in the comments, in in my opinion, furlough, um, until furlough is stopped, we will not know the baseline for the actual state of our economic econo- economy going forward. Um, I do not think it should be extended. So he's coming in on your side, mate. Well, this is this is good news. What do we want to pick up next? Oh, it's. It, I feel like we should have like a pick and mix bag of, yeah, yeah, yeah. and kind of like a rustling of. But we haven't. We haven't no. kind of gone to those those kind of lengths. So, um, shall we talk about um, the support for the for the hospitality industry for high streets? Yeah, this one I really liked. If I'm honest, you know, there is an element of they've extended the VAT cut from it's at five percent now from 20 percent i like that um because ultimately for the last three months um the vat cut is no use to man nor beast if um if no, you can't yeah, the vat on zero sales is it, yeah zero yeah, right it, it's yeah and if you add into that the you know they're no raising alcohol duty um there's mm. a chunk of money to sort of reinvigorate the hospitality industry you know i think there is an element of and again, it's the acid test, isn't it? It's that, you know, when the June the 21st normality comes, and I put that in air quotes, you know, I know you'll be, I know you'll be racing out to your local spoons to, to <laughs> celebrate with your, um, to back British business. Um, I'm I, sure I, that will be the case. I will not uh, be racing out to the local spoons. I will be racing out to any other public establishment, but I would, wouldn't be racing out to a spoons and I apologize because I have, I know people that, that obviously work for spoons because they're a large employer, but yep. uh, no, I won't, I won't be frequenting one. They won't be getting your custom. So yeah, it's an element of will that hospitality, will that sector be able to bounce back? And I think, you know, the, the, the investment in that is, is, is really wise. Cause I think the other thing we've got to recognize is that the hospitality industry, you know, does support, an awful lot of you know it's a phenomenal number of jobs it, it does um it, it's a, it's a very sorry excuse me while i let the cat back out back into the room sorry that had only left the room like five minutes beforehand um and she'll be asking to leave again in about 30 seconds um so yes it's um the nightlife economy is um is strong and it's you know to be fair it's it's a it's a fit don't you dare it's a it's a fairly kind of important part of of our culture and our community so um yeah we want to kind of see that back um back up and running um the people that work in it are possibly quite often actually quite low paid um and um you know they need to um you know we 
I'm sure they want to get back into into a safe uh, a safe working environment. Personally, I, I'd I'd rather spend the money. I'd rather not freeze um, alcohol duty increase. I, I'd rather. I, I think of all the things that you could have not seen an increase in, or the thing other things that you could have put that money into, because as much as I I like a tipple myself, um, sorry, but there are things that you know there are other things that we could be spending that money on other other than um, other than propping up the the hostelry industry. I think the the problem is, isn't it? it, it otherwise, the the risk is that you give with one hand and you take away with the other. Oh, for God's sake! My dog wants to go out. You may have picked that up reading between the lines. Um, there, there so were, yeah, there, I mean, ultimately, were, between the cats you know, and the dogs you, coming in and out today. Yes, yes, yes. This happens every Sunday. Um, so there'll be a a similar bark when he wants to come back in, although hopefully not as loud. Um, so yeah, if you're going to keep that low. You know, you've effectively given a 15% cut there. If you then go and stick, you know, three or four percent on on alcohol sales, you, you you kind of you you you're taking it back again. So you know, broadly, hospitality industry, a shot in the arm. B, you know, again, as you've mentioned, lots of people on relatively low pay, and if that sector remains depressed, then then obviously, you know, that that's that's not going to do much good for anybody. No, I think, um, I mean, it will be, you know, I just, I, do you know what, I, I find it hard to imagine as someone that doesn't go out to pubs kind of that regularly anymore anyway, but would occasionally go out to one to, you know, meet up with some friends, have a couple of drinks and even even sometimes some food. Um, I can't even remember what that feels like. It's really, really strange. And I think it's going to be really, really strange for all of us. So, well, do, do, in fact, do you recall the last time... I, that I, I, we, we, uh, well, I think it was you and I took lunch in the Weeks Bistro. Um, was that's the last time I, I was out in any yeah. meaningful way. Yeah. Um, which was some time ago. Yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a planning meeting and some. We did. And and some, uh, and some rather rather nice grub. But um, it's, it yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago. So I think. There are, as much as there are lots of people, I should imagine, absolutely chomping at the bit to get back into, into going down the pub or you know going to sit in Costa or whatever. There are probably also people that will be quite reluctant and nervous to do so. Yeah, and that's going to be a funny one because, uh, and again, you know, one of the things that that strikes me, and again, it's it's a thing I don't understand. I do like a decent cup of coffee. But what I don't understand is every time I drive, to, I don't drive, my wife drives me to Costa at North Harbour, there is a 200-yard-long queue for the Costa drive through um, So there's obviously an appetite for spending four quid on a chocowaka mappuccino with hazelnut syrup and a, something on it. So, yeah, um, whether people will still want to be driving through or getting back to sitting in the... Uh, Sitting I, in the uh, yeah, in the arrangements, time I, I guess, will only tell. I guess it's someone what? that, I guess it's someone to the, oh for whom the bell tolls, Ian. Um, I guess yeah, it's yeah. someone that doesn't drive. Um, I don't also get the idea of of driving somewhere to get a cup of coffee. That I don't quite no. doesn't compute with me. But a nice walk along Hillsy Lines to the to the um, to the cafe that's there. That's um, case mates. That's um, hmm? that case mates studio. Oh no, sorry, not not that end. The Lido side. Ah, there's yeah, one yeah. kind of next to the um, the water kind of skiing bit. I'm sorry, um, getting my descriptions really awful, um, but a, a nice little hot chocolate from there um, yeah. doesn't doesn't go wrong. Um, but it's yeah, I, I mean, only only time will tell. But I think that kind of speaks back to us talking about furlough. Is that some things are going to change, but that at least gives a flexibility to for businesses to kind of work work kind of around that and with it and see how that change actually works in a normal trading environment. Because let's face it, we haven't had a normal trading environment for about a year and a half. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah March. It's it is February last year before the world started to change, isn't it? It's, yeah, okay, um, I'm exaggerating yeah, then with a year and a half, but yeah, yeah you know but, what I mean. No, it 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 is. It, solid year since lockdown started it just, so um, it just yeah feels like about 
Yeah, feels Five. longer. Um, so I, yeah. I keep making mistakes on documents because I keep dating them twenty, and people say it's twenty-one. It's like yeah, twenty never happened. So I, <laughs> yeah. not that I want yeah, we're, to we're, we're, ground, Groundhog Day. That we're, we're, pretending, we're pretending that didn't happen. Just like um, no, not going to say it. Um, so yeah, so I, I think parts of the hospitality industry, there's going to be a you know um, if people aren't travelling for business because they're Zooming instead rather than, or, you know, other video call providers are available. But if they're using video conferencing more now instead of actually traveling, will hotels see as much demand? If people, Definitely not. You know, if no, people, I mean, yeah. So business demand might kind of drop off the cliff, but they then also might see because people aren't traveling abroad so much, maybe there'll be more kind of staycationing. Um, so swings and roundabouts, isn't it? It's, um, I think you have to see what happens to, to really, because you can't, ultimately really predict how i'm sure there are people that could sit there with numbers and figure some of it out but you know if you ask yeah. five economists you'll get six different opinions about what will happen to the economy in exactly that no no and it's interesting it was one of the things i was talking about so uh, you know i usually have to used to have to regularly travel to leamington um spa which is a lovely place to go but ultimately you know there were a number of budget hotels there that were filled entirely with business travelers virtually um and you know again one of my muses is i don't you know some of them were struggling before the pandemic i don't know whether you know when i have to book my first trip to leamington how many of those little hotels and sort of larger guest houses will be on that list um available to book who who knows um until the economy is released until the restrictions are withdrawn. So shall we ask ourselves that conundrum then? When is a tax rise not a tax rise? So are we, are we talking about the, the freezing of um, of the personal tax allowance? Yes. So the Conservatives made a manifesto pledge that there would be no tax rises and in or no income tax rises in Dishy Rishi's budget there were no actual income tax rises, but there was the freezing of the raising of the personal tax allowance, yeah. which, as you know, I am a huge fan of. I'm glad it you like your Excellent policies. idea. Um, good conservative idea. Well implemented. <coughs> um, excuse me? But, oh, meow, you say, Arthur. Arthur seems to suggest that it was, in fact, a Lib Dem idea yes, that might have been Thank brought in much. during coalition. We, we, we don't, but I'm, yeah, we don't, I'm now going to throw Arthur out into the cold for his treacherous nature. I was going to say, we, we might not mention the C word much, and by that I mean coalition, but um, that was at least something um, good that we did in coalition. Thank you very much. So um, well, I know your, your lot did a very good job of owning the stuff trying to own the stuff that was popular and trying to share the blame of the stuff that wasn't but nonetheless we share the blame we didn't share the blame simon we pointed the finger squarely at your team and said boo yes boo well um anywho um lesson learned once bitten twice shy yeah, um indeed. so uh yeah so basically your question is does not increasing the personal tax allowance bearing in mind obviously inflation will mean that more people if they are getting pay increases and not everybody is but more people that are getting if people are getting pay increases they will actually start to see more of their earnings fall into the taxable part of their pay packet um right. and um look i'm i'm not going to mix the i'm not going to argue semantics here um if you've not raised the percentage or the um or the bandings or change the bandings or raise the rate of of tax then you haven't raised the tax. I'm probably going to get told off, <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't. I'm not being funny. You can you can argue the small detail of yes, but because of wage inflation, that means that no. I'm sorry, you haven't increased it. Okay, you get is it fiscal drag? I, f I forget which which term it is, but it's there's it has, an economic. That's, that's RuPaul. No. Um. So. Yeah, I'd... RuPaul's RuPaul's fiscal drag race. I like it. Let's pitch it to somebody. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, look. At the end of the day, um, no, 
I, 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 Very I, interesting. You can, I, I can agree with the statement that you haven't raised taxes. Okay. So I, I can agree on a, on a semantics and pedantic level that you haven't, but I actually think this policy is despicable. Oh, okay. Well, why, in what way do you think it's despicable? Because ultimately, the personal tax allowance is of interest is of interest to everyone who earns less than £130,000 a year. Yeah, okay. If you earn more than £130,000, it's about £125,000 a year, the personal tax allowance means nothing to you. Yeah, because there's a point at which you start basically undoing the yes. tax-free so element of your... Yes, so £100,000 a year, mm -hmm. you have to give it back at the rate of one pound for every two pounds you earn. So if you earn £101,000, of that £1,000 you earn, you have to give £500 of it back to the Treasury for your personal tax allowance, and you have to give £200 of it back as your 40% um, tax, and you get to keep the 300 But once you're clear of that, which is about £125,000, it makes absolutely no difference to you at all. So I am really struggling. And, you know, Cal at this point will be sitting bolt upright going, what's he on about? That the people that are at the lowest end of the earnings will not see that rise over the next few years. And the people that are earning £130,000 plus will not be paying, they will effectively keep all of the money that they're going to earn, their, their, their position is unchanged. That doesn't feel just and right to me. So you would like to see a higher taxation for people on higher brackets? I think if the government was going to increase its tax revenue, mm -hmm. then I think for me, there is there are instruments that they should have used rather than effectively... Um, you know, freezing that bottom end limit. So I, and again, this is maybe unconservative of me, but I can I could never see the justification for reducing the top rate of tax from forty from fifty p to forty five p. Couldn't see a justification for doing that. So I would reinstate that. I put that. I would have put that back up to fifty p. And. The other thing, which may well be controversial, and I don't, is effectively the threshold at which you stop paying national insurance. Right. So I believe, and I need to go and check this, that you stop paying national insurance once, or once you pay, once you've paid a hundred thousand pounds worth of national insurance contributions, you don't have to pay any more. You mean in a year or in, to in your lifetime? In, in, in a year. Right. So if you were to earn £200,000, mm. you pay your national insurance contribution on the first £100,000. You don't have to pay national insurance on the second £100,000. Okay. Um, I'm not going to disagree with any of your um, presumptions on that. I'd rather see personal tax allowances rise. I'd rather see... Um, yeah, I don't see why there should be a cap on the amount of national insurance you can pay, um, yep. and I'd rather it. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree that I'd rather see the up, the upper bands actually actually paying more. Um, so, oh. and I I don't want to be punitive. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, the super tax that sort of nonsense where we go back to the seventies of ninety percent tax rates and all that 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 doesn't work. But the other thing for me, and this is where for me uh, my little bit of economist makes my brow furrow. If you're earning median wage, if you're earning reasonable money, you know, or you're part of the jams, then every extra penny that, or most of the time, the extra pennies and pounds that end up in your pay packet, you spend. Yeah. If you're taking home £10,000 a month, I'd argue that unless you are living a profligate, you know, champagne lifestyle, Probably that is going a, a big chunk of that money is to going to pay your massive mortgage on your great big house. But I don't think 
you know, or is going into savings because I don't think it's the same stimulus to the economy. Um, no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree I'm, with that sentiment. I'm going to go on about bottom stimulation if you're not careful at this point. I beg your pardon. It's not that kind of show, Ian. <laughs> Family show. <laughs> um, sorry, did I cut you off in the flow then? Do you want to carry no, on? No, no, no yeah. I, I, I finished. So, no, I, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with the assessment that actually people on the lower end of the wage scale, the more money you give them in their pocket, the more they're more likely to spend the money that they get. Then people at the higher end of the wage spectrum, they're either likely to um, to save it or invest it or even to spend it in another in a different country, which isn't very good for the you know for tax revenues here. So um, in, in that respect, um, I'd rather see more of people's wages at the lower end of the bracket actually um, released back to them because they will be the most likely to spend it and the most likely to spend it locally. So therefore, that's a stimulus or stimuli to uh to their local economy and i think that's a that's a better idea than enabling um you know um ceos to buy another yacht i think i think yeah. that's a better way yeah. to, so, I think that's, so that's a better again, way to manage your money oh good grief we've agreed on something again ian jesus that's gonna cause well, problems. And, and, and for me it, it's that kind of uh, i i i i see it as a very unconservative policy um you know at the end of the day we, we're you know, it, it isn't. It, I, I don't. I don't see that it's 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 achieving what we're trying to achieve. And then you, you know, you follow that with the oh, let's hike up corporation tax. I've got my head in my hands. It's that. Oh, really? So let's move yeah. on to corporation tax then, as we've. Mm. So corporations. So what Rishi's done here is he said that basically it's going to stay as it is at nineteen percent. Um, on profit on companies that have more than fifty thousand pounds worth of profit a year, um, but in twenty twenty three it's going to increase to twenty five percent. Was it twenty five percent? But there was also something interesting about it gradiating up. So rather than it being a before fifty thousand pound, you don't basically you don't you don't have anything, and then after that, bam, it's twenty five k. It's going to gradiate up from. 19, 19, sorry, 19% at the at, um, companies with a profit of 50,000 pound or more and then gradiate up towards it gets to the it gets to the full rack of uh, 25% which I think it may, also makes more sense because you know if you create these kind of fiscal cliffs where um, there's no incentive for a company to grow beyond a certain yep. point because suddenly it faces a massive tax uh, tax obligation then that kind of seems counterintuitive. So in that respect, um, it seems good to me. It would still make us actually one of the lowest um, corporation tax rates in the G7. Uh, would still make us a, a favourable place to invest um, compared to um, other countries. So what's not to like? Uh, raising corporation tax does only one thing. What's that? <laughs> it limits the amount of corporation tax you do. We will take no more money because and you've you've given people you've given people two three years mm. so the people that will be making money out of this will be the likes of deloitte and kpmg and accenture who medium to large size businesses who are not currently realizing tax realizing their profits in foreign nations will charge off to make because again you know it doesn't sound a lot oh you know it's 19 to it's increasing your tax burden by a quarter. So best thing you can do is go and register your company either in the Netherlands or in Belgium or in Ireland or in Luxembourg. Register your profits then and restructure your UK operation to be a service-based arrangement and avoid the corporation tax. So you mean kind of following the operation, operating models of companies like Google, Amazon, Amazon Starbucks, Apple, Starbucks, Google, Costa? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, now for me, and this is where, you know, if I look at those companies and, you know, I am a hypocrite, I don't like the fact that Amazon don't pay a fair amount of corporation tax, but we use Amazon on an almost daily basis. And for me, you look, there was an opportunity in this budget. You could have done something. You could have put, you know, if you want to regenerate the high street, level the playing field. 
you know, you could have you could have done something to the online retailer with a you know, and again, this isn't about profit, about turnover, mm-hmm. where you, you effectively put a transaction tax on them. And that would have that could have yielded billions. And yeah. if I look at what they've done, so Amazon will be paying twenty five percent corporation tax instead of nineteen percent corporation tax in twenty twenty three. What's that about twelve pound fifty? It's about eighteen quid and a fish and chip supper for three. Um, okay, so I mean, to be fair, I I don't disagree about um, finding a way to do something to um, to tax the massive amount of revenue and the massive amount of profit being generated by um, some online giants. Um, I I mean, it was rumoured before the budget that there was going to be some sort of uh, windfall tax, but that isn't something um, interestingly that um, that Rishi chose to do, um, which. To be fair, he could have done, didn't the Labour government? Didn't Gordon Brown, when he was Chancellor, do a windfall tax against the energy companies when yes. in the yeah. early noughties? Um, it's very naughty. Um, so, but, but this is where the windfall tax wouldn't have worked, Simon. And, and again, this is a bit, oh, we're getting into hot-blooded tax-based discussions because the way in which the likes of Amazon bed. have structured their affairs mm. is they realise all of their profit in the most tax-advantaged location. Yeah, but then, so, like you say, don't tax against profit; tax against income. You you can, but then you you, and this is where the challenge comes: is that unless you can pick an entire sector, mm. and if you look at Gordon Brown's, it was a tax against profit, not against turnover. Um, and that's where you know you, you could, if you start taxing on turnover, there are businesses that you will kill by doing that. Because their turnover is massive, but their project, their profit margin is negligible. And if you apply that sort of tax to them, you just kill their business. Yeah, I, I guess so. But um, I, but I think, uh, to be fair, I think there are cleverer people than you and me that will find that. But the, the truth is, the reality is that large companies are going to be spending more on, on um, accountants and lawyers to find ways to get out of these things than they'll spend a yeah. huge amount more than, than governments will ever actually spend in trying to figure out what's the effective way to deal with that and legislation typically runs about 20 years behind um, what's actually happening in the real marketplace so for me um, something needs to be done I don't quite know what the answer is about that um, but also I think it's important that something's done on a supranational basis because there's no point one country in the same to be fair in the in the same way with um well actually it's not a good analogy to actually use kind of climate change as an example but you need to you need to find find as many countries as possible to agree a way forward on this to agree some sort of if not harmonization of what the tax rates are but some application of tax law so that a, com- a company can't suddenly say, okay, well, Britain has now suddenly become um, uh, an unwelcoming place for me to base my, my business. I'm going to basically leave the front end in the UK where there's no profit and no money. And I'm going to basically just take all the rest of it to somewhere else where there's no corporation tax and I don't have to, you know, don't have to pay national insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All, all, of, those, all of those things, you know, if you're in a world where actually your workforce could be anywhere on the planet because they can work virtually, that's the that's the sort of environment that we, you know, we we need to prepare for, really. So we need to make friends internationally and agree on something. Um, but I, I don't I don't think the the corporation tax thing is a is a bad idea. I would just like to see it done in concert with other things and working internationally uh, to make sure that it's um those businesses don't just bugger off somewhere else. Your your camera seems to have disappeared off. You're still there, some. I'm still here. Are you? Because your cam your camera's gone off. I can still hear you. Can you still hear me? And there was us just thinking it was because the cat had just walked in front of the camera. So I don't know if you can hear me at all. Can the room hear us? Are we coming through? Is there anybody still following? Or have we put you all to sleep? Could someone put a comment, please? in the room to say that you can still hear us. And silence. Ian, can you hear me? Ah, you're back. I can see you. Okay, sounds like people can hear me, but they can't hear you, but you're visually back, but you are on mute. And you're now off mute.
Sorry about that. All sorts of internet-based problems. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to check the check Boris's rules and sorry, Prime Minister Johnson's rules and and see when we can when we can broadcast from the same place. That will take a bit of a headache out. Absolutely. So uh, yes, yes. Or maybe it was the fact that we were discussing corporation tax that the lizard people had watched us. Well, maybe, maybe, um, maybe Bill Gates kind of just flicked a switch then somewhere. But thank you. Thank you, Lynn, Rob and Malcolm for confirming that you could hear me. I'm sorry that you could still hear me. Um, you could hear me wittering on. Um, but OK, so corporation tax kind of done that one. We're about 10 minutes out. So I guess the final one, which wasn't in the budget, but broke the day after. Mm-hmm. Mm. We've got a shortage of dentists in the country. How are how are the NHS how are how are we going to treat all of those NHS staff that have had a kick in the teeth from a one percent pay paying? Ah, uh, see what I've done there. Yeah, no, I see what you've done there. I see what you have done there indeed. So one percent for the nurses. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective then? I don't understand how 1% is um, is a suitable pay rise to give to nurses or to be honest to be anybody that's been working in the NHS front line um, considering that the year that they've just had um, I don't think I don't think that's um, the correct amount I think it's a derisory sum I think it's an insulting sum so unless Rishi is kind of putting this out there as a this is my starting point. You're, the union's about to kick off. You're going to kick off with your starting point, which is bound to look um, ridiculous probably to some people. Um, and we're going to try to meet in the middle without there being too much fist fighting um, in the meantime. Um, so whether it's a ploy to kind of move, U-turn and move forward, I don't know. But 1%, no, I don't, I don't think 1% is right. I don't think... I and to try to try to say that's all we can afford I'm sorry the government has spent money on lots of other things that they could mm. have been more careful with um you know another 15 billion for a track and trace system that doesn't really work effectively um I, 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 I don't understand how you can how you can look the nurses and doctors and everybody else all of the, all of those uh, all of those key workers in the in in the eye after the year that they've just had, after all of the all of the work that they've done, and actually say, do you know what, one percent is okay. Um, I don't think that I don't think that's defensible. I think it's it's ridiculous and it's insulting. Interesting. So a few facts just to just to okay draw draw some so. The starting salary for a qualified nurse mm-hmm. is twenty is twenty four thousand pounds a year. Okay. The average salary for a qualified nurse is thirty four thousand pounds a year, and the top of band nine, which is the is the top band for a nurse, is one hundred and four thousand pounds a year. Okay. What so, point does that make? Sorry. What point? Do, what point does that make? Well. The, the, it is just laying that that is what these people earn. Okay. So there is an element of, and there are an awful lot of them. So when we talk about 1% or 2% or 5%, then that will apply to, you know, again, that's, that's not people who are on minimum wage. That's people for whom their, their average salary is £8,000 a year more than the median salary so whilst i you know we get this i i get this kind of our brave nhs and and the fact that people have have worked you know tirelessly through the pandemic i absolutely accept that and i admire everything they've done i guess the question is if you look through the lens of what they've done what could possibly be enough to to recompense them for that and there's an element of you know and this is where i i I find trying to commodify the work that they've done i i I just find it i I, i'm not sure how you can so my question is well if one percent isn't enough what percentage are we giving them 
okay, I'm I'm a bit dumbfounded, um, because on one hand, you you to 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 quote you, you said you can't commodify. Isn't that what wage negotiation and the marketplace is meant to be about? And I thought the Conservatives were meant to be good at understanding the latter. Um, we, I also find it a strange argument to try to take that these people that work ferociously hard in actually yep. horrendously hard-working jobs um, that are absolutely vital um, and that when we really need them, we really need them, um, that are highly skilled jobs that require years of training, to try to say... That wage is actually Apologies, higher Simon, than... my bandwidth means that I'm not getting any of this. Okay. I don't know if you want to... Can you follow on Facebook or dial in? I don't know. So I, I don't I don't know that... I, I don't... If I'm really honest, I don't, I don't get how trying to make an argument that because these people are on... Compared to the median income of everybody else in the country, they're on what, what looks like actually a very good wage, um, that that doesn't mean that they're deserving of, of a... Of a pay increase that's commensurate with with their value to our society haven't we learned over the last year that actually the people that we value and that we really need in our society um that when the chips are really down that you really need there to be lots of trained people in the nhs whether that's yep. nurses or doctors whether that's indeed even um you know even actually people stacking the shelves in your, in your local tesco at the end of the day um we need to eat we need treating when when we're unwell, um, and we need looking after. Um, and I, I, I'm I'm sorry. I just I just don't get how the logic works. Of so my yeah, question but they're getting then, eight grand so more a year than you normally would. There, that that should no, no. be fine. I don't, so, I, so my my question is this: is that if one percent isn't enough, mm -hmm. then what what percentage pay rise? Are you awarding that that effectively, you know, effectively is enough? Um, well, I mean, to be fair, I'm not part of the remuneration committee, so I couldn't put a figure on it because I'm I'm not going to turn the the wages that they should be getting into um, some sort of political guessing game. I think um, I, I think it would be strange to try and encourage people that don't know. Uh, about the industry that don't know actually what the work is worth that don't know how hard the job is to be involved in what is essentially going to end up being a semi-private public um, negotiation yep. between uh, between the people that control the public purse um, and the people that represent the people that doing are doing the work um i i i, I don't see how how that helps either I don't think it's defensible to be able to say that they're only worth 1%, but I'm not going to sit here and say what that percentage should be because I, I don't have the data. I'm not in a position to, to make that, and it's not my call. I mean, personally, just to kind of draw, you know, we, we've, as a, as a party, we've had as a policy for several years, we'd put a penny on income tax and dedicate that extra money towards um, towards actually pay, funding the NHS properly. Um I think it's we need to be honest that if we want decent public services and we want skilled and dedicated people to work in those public services we need to pay them properly and we and we do need to um, we do need to fund those you know taxation is and is the is the price you pay yep. for a civilized society so I, I think it's and and I think that's probably so I'm just to cut in there mm. and that's the reason why I that's the reason why I framed the conversation around what the people are actually earning because i think it's a very easy thing to say we should pay the people properly mm -hmm. and i think we, we can all agree that and i guess the question for me is is an average salary of thirty-four thousand pounds a year for that role paying those people properly and as you say neither of us are experts in the field but if i look at that role compared you know, there is a. The, I, I think there is a tableau that's painted, that has been painted around this, which is that those roles aren't paid properly, and I think that's why I brought in the, you know, the the the, the you know the average wage, and I took that from the nurses.co.uk website to say, well, you know, 
£34,000, no, it's not a fortune. But it's also not minimum wage. So I think when we're, no, when we're, when we're framing this discussion, I think we have to frame it within the, um, you know, within the construct of what is being paid. But the only, the only thing I will agree with you on, and again, forgive me, fellow Conservatives, I think this is a Trojan horse announcement, which is they have no intention of settling at 1%. But I think if they would have put their opening bid at 3%, they would have got exactly the same backlash as they have got for 1%. And I think they'll end up settling probably closer to 3 And they'll portray that as them being a listening government that has listened to the, 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 the mood of the people and has blessed our NHS nurses with a bigger pay rise than they really can afford, but they found the money from somewhere. What a disgusting way to treat the people that save our lives. Disgusting way to treat the people that save our lives. Um, I understand that we work, we live in a capitalist society, so the marketplace for both employment and in um, retailing of goods and services puts a price on things. But for us to say, for us to try to argue over, that's all I think that's worth when we're talking about, and it's and it's strange that we have those discussions about the people that teach our children. We have those discussions about the people that. Um, that save our lives when we when we need when we need hospitalisation and medical care, but we we don't have those conversations about. Sorry, Simon, can't hear you at all. Okay, we don't have. I'm going to run with the idea that that's your bandwidth rather than mine. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, it is. Yeah, um, but we don't have those conversations about CEOs that are on twenty, thirty times what the average or the median salary is actually in their organisations. And I'm not saying their job is easy. I find it weird to argue on one hand that the market is how we should define how what people's value is in remuneration, but on the other hand, say actually regardless of what our value, what someone's value is, actually we should just argue that um, that because they're in a higher wage bracket than the median income, that we shouldn't actually be remunerating them any any more. Um, I'm not not saying know. that. Not saying that. All I'm saying is that I, I'm just putting that up against the the tableau of the the underfunded, underpaid, undervalued nurses, and I, I'm not making a value judgment at all. I'm just you, you offering are. You're up saying you're saying that, you're saying that. So you're you're arguing that actually we should enter into some sort of some sort of cursory arbitration based on we'll start low, we'll start with a really insulting figure, which contradicts what our own Prime Minister said about, you know, the NHS would get what it needs and the staff should um, should have what they need, they should have a decent pay rise. I don't think, I don't know how you can kind of marry standing on the steps of Downing Street clapping every Thursday with actually offering a 1% pay rise. I can understand from a financial, logical perspective of if you're, if you're, if your value of people is only seeing them as a number on a balance sheet instead of actually what their true value is to your society, then, yeah, you, you might want to play games at starting at 1%. But what a horrible way to treat the people that save our lives. What a horrible way to treat well, the people and, that and, really have value uh, in yeah. our society. Well, and, and again, because you, you, can't put a value, you can't put a value on what that percentage figure should be, I'm going to put it to you that whatever that percentage figure was, other than it being ridiculously unaffordable, we were always going to get this backlash. I, I personally, so it, it was always going to be terrible. So we might, as well, we might as well be as insulting as we possibly can. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I can understand how, in some people's heads, that makes sense and that's logical. But sorry, I, John, I, I really am struggling to hear you. I think that's wrong-headed. And it's just nuts, and it and it just speaks a lot about how certain political parties look at how very very important members of our society, um, how they value them. Have you got me back, or are you still you're still you've still lost me? Um, uh, yeah. To be fair, mate, I I didn't I I 
I got one word in six out of that last one. So okay. So um, I guess this I, is this is going to be something that we we disagree on. We've had a couple that we've agreed on. We've had some that we've yeah. agreed on. We kind of we're 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 kind of past the end point. So should we kind of move to a wrap? I think we should. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris with the really shabby band network. And I'm in Simon Sansbury. I'm with. I'm Simon Sansbury, and I, I'm not with Simon Sansbury because I am Simon Sansbury. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm with BT. Just to say, they're not sponsoring us at all. Um, but thank you very much. Oh, mate, you've got to get some better internet. And to, to be honest, we've got the best that money can buy on the estate. But ever since they upgraded us, it's been dreadful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>